Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the Struggle Bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Sally. <laughs> you sound so professional right now. I was so trying to get it right. Uh, that's why I was you nailed it. down. Thank you. We both nailed it. I really appreciate that. That's the show, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> so, yeah, we were just on Citizen Radio. Yeah, we just recorded a Lady Power Hour. Yeah, for so those of you who listen to Citizen Radio and know what we're talking about. You can hear that, and uh, you should, because we talk a lot of interesting things. We do. We talk about inter interesting stuff. If you like our show, you should definitely listen to Citizen Radio. You'll yeah. love it. Um, let me say this stuff, because your voice is like... So let me say the stuff you usually say. Oh, thanks. So. Okay, all right. So follow us on Twitter, Struggle Bus Pod. Definitely get involved with Struggle Pod Buds 420, which is like the best hashtag ever. There are uh, images of like adorable animals being shared. Who is sending us animal photos? I don't know who you are, but I love you. So many people. Yeah. It's great. Keep at it. Um, definitely write to us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. It's awesome to hear from you guys. And um, please, we were always saying like, oh, we have so much. We'll get to you. We'll get to you. We'll get to you. But we don't want that to make you think you should not write to us. You definitely should. If you even have had a shadow of a thought that maybe you would write to us and ask, uh, ask us a question, definitely write. Um, follow me at Sally T on Twitter and Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. I'm at SPK Heller. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to say that. Oh, I didn't no. want to like take away your autonomy. I mean, well, you know. yeah. No, it's, okay. it's just Twitter. Um, it's just Twitter. It's just Twitter. If there's any place the where most... your autonomy can be taken away, it's Twitter. So true. Um, how are you feeling, Sally? I'm all right. Um, I'm going to do a lot of talking so you can rest your voice. Yeah, I, I'm uh, struggling with my voice right now. I'm a little sick again. I don't know what's going on. And but, your uh, voice is like your instrument, so it's, it's the thing you want to protect. I need to use it professionally. The one thing that like, most people say to me that have listened to the Struggle Bus, they want to know if it's your real voice because you sound so like beautiful and clear and like radio friendly and oh, thank you. Okay. and like smooth. I should probably be honest. This is not my real <laughs> voice. Are you ready? This is my real voice. Oh, hello, Sally. <laughs> the big reveal. How are you, darling? <laughs> but I thought that'd be too, like, too pretentious. It would be know? like a little bit for... I'm glad that you kind of dial it back. I dial it back. I dial um, it back for you. <laughs> no, but you do have a beautiful radio voice and we want you to protect it. And I want to talk about myself. Perfect. So it's a perfect confluence of events. Um, have you read Fun Home? No, not yet, but I have it. Okay. So read it immediately. I want to see the musical. Here's the thing. I saw it. Uh, this week with my girlfriend, she took us for my birthday, which was like incredibly nice and a wonderful gift because it's we both love the book. But the problem with turning things that have any sort of nuance or darkness in them into Broadway musicals is that the darkness and the nuance gets removed and replaced with like show-stopping finales and stuff. Um, I'm also totally predisposed to not be – I'm not much of a Broadway person. Um because I watched the trailer for it and started to cry. Well, so. let me, I will say that anyone, I, I, I've only heard of people thinking it's like the best thing they've ever seen, like the best play, the best musical, the, their best Broadway experience. So I tend to be a real Grinch. Like I saw Hedwig um, and it was like a really cool, wonderful experience. But like there's just something about, the, it just things get like neutered for Broadway because most people who are going to Broadway are like tourists and they don't want, um, super dark shit that like confronts painful issues maybe or something but fun home 
read the book. That's like a directive. Um, and then there's a, kind of a sequel to it called Are You My Mother? Fun Home is kind of about Alison Bechtel's father, but not really just about that. Um, but that he's kind of like at the center. And it's like, it's a graphic novel. It's kind of a memoir, but she's also kind of exploring her relationship with him and her, like who she is. And there's a lot of queer shit in there and some gender stuff. Um, and if you have ever enjoyed like a second of Struggle Bus, then you will really be into the material in the book because it's like very like probing and Plus my, my favorite actor in the world, Michael Cerveris, is in it. Oh, do you know him? Uh, not personally, but we're Facebook friends because okay. we know enough of the same people. And I love him so much. I first he saw him. He was very good. He's spectacular. He's got this energy and this stage presence that is unbelievable. Yeah. I saw him in Tommy a million years ago. Okay. And that's when I fell in love with him. Literally, I had like the biggest crush. I met him like after the show once. Like we were groupies. It was stupid. Oh my God, that's but amazing. then I've seen him in other shows and he's just. Hands down, one mm. of the best actors, Broadway musical actors we have right now. He's he, the, great. The, definitely, like, I felt like the individual performances in the play were, like, very, very good. I think the thing is that when you take a text that, you know, when a text that you consider is, like, sacred and that you have a relationship to is then, like, imagined in this other medium and, like, people are cast in roles and you have a vision for it right in your head and... It just like it can never live up to. It happened to me when know? I saw Les Mis because I'd read the book and mm -hmm. I was expecting the play to be ten hours long and mm -hmm. it was only three and a half because you know the book is like a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm joking. I love Les Mis. Um, and I never read the book. So go figure. <laughs> <laughs> I bought that hook, line, and sinker. Oh, good. I totally thought you read the book. Oh, good. Um, but you, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, basically, I wasn't gonna mention the play, but now that I've like, I have, I will just say, read fun. It's just so good. My friend sent me a copy for my birthday last year and I haven't read it yet. It's just like, it's intense. And I mean, her trying to figure out like her father and her relationship with her father and like family and memory. It's just fucking fascinating. Awesome. Is that, so that's not really about me per se. No, but, but that's um, great. That's a listener suggestion. I wanted to like, <laughs> I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. What uh, do you want to talk about? Just basically my, my throat hurts. Yeah. But I'm okay. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. You sound great. Thank you. Well, let's let's well basically the reason I'm I'm uh, struggling is I have a voiceover job on Monday, mm -hmm. one that actually pays money, uh, <laughs> and and I don't want to lose my voice before that. And right now it's Saturday, and I have a long day tomorrow, so I'm really yeah. trying to ease up, you know. And you and you you've been chain smoking those filterless Lucky Strikes oh, this whole you time. You know it. If yeah. you guys could see the the Struggle Bus Studio, which by the way, oh. I want to name the Cope Cabana. Oh, yeah. Right? We need to open up a studio and call it the Copa Just for that. Cabana. Copa Cabana. That's fantastic. I'm you really tweeted that. It. That was hilarious. Yeah. I'm now someone who's like speaking things they've tweeted in conversation. I, I, I feel I, fine about it. I just, I do that all the time. I'm going to go with it. Um, perfect. Well, we have an update first. Oh, boy. Um, from Judy, quote unquote. Judy's the one who, uh, the guy was shaking her hand mm -hmm. and was like, you need a firmer handshake. And she was like, fuck all the way off. Yeah. So she became a little bit of a hero on Twitter. And she wrote in, um, her name isn't Judy, but we'll still call her that. She says, hi, Kate and Sally. Sally and Kate. I just mixed it up, even though it was written differently. Yeah. Whatever. Sorry it has taken me so long to reply. I really appreciate your advice. My boyfriend gave me a hard time about it, but not in a serious way. And next time I saw his friend, Ron, quote unquote, we shook hands in a very dramatic way. And I pretended to crush his hand with my strong, impressive grip. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. I'm still struggle bussing for various other reasons, but my take no shit feminism helps me through every step of the way. Currently, one of my good friends and I are developing a consent program slash workshop for the incoming freshman class of my alma mater to help prevent sexual abuse, assault 
on and off campus. And then she also sent us a badass poem called mm-hmm. Fuck the Patriarchy. It was awesome. Go, Judy. And uh, yeah, that's go, an update. Judy, Thank go. you for letting us know how you're doing. Yeah, always update us. Please feel free to like drop us in line and let us know uh, yeah. what's happening. And the next one we have is a question about questions before we get to our questions. Okay, Sally? Let's, we're going to go meta. Okay, this is a question from Esmeralda. Hi, ladies. First of all, let me start by giving my fake name, Esmeralda. Perfect. It's my favorite fake name because there was an episode of Daria where this creepy dude was totally invading her space, so she introduced herself as Esmeralda. Makes me laugh every time. Can we just say like one in a million times in my life that Daria has been perfect? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, I've wanted to write into the show for a while, so I'm giving the fake name because if I do eventually write in with my struggle, I definitely don't want to be named. However, before I do that, I have a preliminary question. In a recent episode, Kate told a story that led me to believe that part of my story might be triggering for her. So I thought I'd ask a general question of both of you. Are there any topics that either of you need the listeners to be particularly careful about or avoid altogether when writing in? You both are so good about self-care. I'm sure you are pretty good at filtering out triggering, triggering material as you see it. But I thought I'd ask if there are any boundaries you need us to be mindful of up front. Are there any trigger warnings you need to put at the beginning of our emails? Definite, uh, depending on your feedback, maybe I'll write in with my struggle. Either way, I'll definitely keep listening. Love the show. Thanks, Esmeralda. Great question. Awesome question. Yeah. So our answer is basically, I, there's a weird way I can sort of separate the questions and it helps me to help you. There are things that trigger me on a regular basis, but when it's a question from you guys, I would just say if you feel it needs a trigger warning, give one. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, we're not going to jump on you for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? We If we know the email is out of genuine questioning as opposed to like shock value yeah and I would say I speaking for myself and Catherine I don't know how you feel about this but like I I also don't feel like I will be triggered in or triggered in an unmanageable way by seeing an email um so I don't want you or anyone to worry that that's something that you have to like take care of us around um I mean I always appreciate it not because of a trigger but just because um it's like very jarring to be told something um to to like encounter material that's let's say incredibly like violent and not knowing that that's what was about to come up and so I appreciate the heads up but I I I don't want it to sound like I'm saying that because it's because of a trigger I I you know that's you know like a kind of a more PTSD related response that would be that would make me feel really unsafe and unhinged and that's not a thing you have to worry about for me, but I don't want to, Catherine, I don't want to speak for you. Oh yeah, no, I I think I pretty much said, um, if you want to give a trigger warning, do, uh, but I've never been triggered by emails sent in yeah. and there's some upsetting material for sure, but it's weird. I, I kind of want to know like when I see a movie, if a dog dies, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, otherwise I, I, I'm okay without getting yeah, one. I so please send in your stuff. I just, this made me remember, I was once in this study because I got paid to be in it, where you would watch a bunch of images come across the screen. I think it was a, a memory study or something. Anyway, there were a bunch of images that were really graphic and violent that would flicker across. The, if it would be like a meadow, a puppy, a park, and then like a gourd charred like baby or something. Yeah. And I was like, that I could use a little warning that that's going to happen, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, um, okay. All right. Um, yeah. Are we doing this? Yeah. Is it my turn? Or- uh, I guess. I do-, do you want to go for it? Sure. Um, question. Okay. Uh, hi, Kate and Sally. I just started listening to you guys after you're on Citizen Radio, and I already love the show so much. I know you guys get a lot of questions from queer listeners, 
and your previous advice has been somewhat helpful to me already, but I'm kind I'm in kind of a weird place with my identity right now and I was wondering if you guys had any advice. So within the past year or so, after ending an emotionally toxic relationship, going away to college and making a lot of new friends, most of whom have some sort of LGBT identity, I began to question my own identity. Long story short, this basically led me to begin identifying as asexual. This is a label that feels very comfortable to me and I'm very glad I found it. However, I've had a lot more inner turmoil over my romantic orientation. I started identifying as heteroromantic because I've dated men in the past. I'm a cis female. But the more time I spent learning about my own asexuality and about queer politics, the more I realized that I actually don't think gender has that much bearing on my romantic attraction towards others and that my exclusively dating men in the past was really more because of a combination of chance and social expectation. Although I still have kind of a tendency towards men because that's just what I'm used to expecting, I would be perfectly comfortable dating someone of any gender. At first, this realization excited, excited me because, hey, more possible dating options, right? No more clinging on to heteronormativity by making myself feel weird guilt or guilty about finding girls and other genders attractive, right? Well, not that easy. Firstly, I realized really quickly that I cannot be out as more than asexual to everyone right now. Without revealing too much detail about myself, I'm in a place in my life right now where me being out as anything other than exclusively interested in men could have serious consequences. My dreams are really important to me and I cannot jeopardize losing opportunities. I'm out to my close friends and in some online spaces, but that's it. I'm actually okay with this for now as I imagine I will be far more open once I graduate in the next couple years. But secondly, and here's the kicker, I'm not sure that I will ever be able to be fully out. While my mother is pretty chill and has been more and more accepting towards LGBT things, my father is still kind of homophobic. I'm not honestly sure what he would do if he found out I wasn't entirely straight, but I know it wouldn't be good. My dad is not the kind of person you can reason with either. If his mind is made up about something, the only one who can change it is him. My father and I have a really close relationship, and that's honestly not something I want to lose. I also have many extended family members who really value and love and support me right now that might act differently towards me if I was dating a girl. These relationships matter to me so much that I've considered that my best option for the future might be to ignore any romantic attraction towards females or just choose not to develop those relationships beyond friendships and to just exclusively date men anyway. But where does that leave me with identifying as queer? Do I have the right to utilize queer spaces even though I could very well pass as straight? Is it wrong or disrespectful to the LGBT movement somehow to identify as not straight in this situation? Is it wrong to value my relationship with my family over the possibility of future romantic interests? Help. Thank you so much for reading all of that, if you did, and keep up the great work with the show. Great question. Um, wow, where to begin? I, uh, I I would hate for you to feel that your family's the reason you shouldn't explore your sexuality. Um, I know it's easier said than done. I don't know if you live with them or live near them, but I can't imagine how much pressure that is on you. But I also wonder if maybe that's an excuse not to explore. I don't want to say that because if you're in a situation where you don't feel safe coming out, of course, mm-hmm. I would never say that. But I think there's a part of you that just doesn't know right now what you like. Um, I would say definitely take the family out of the equation as much as you can. But you need to, you know, when you're ready, do some soul searching about what you do want. And then when you're ready to talk to your family about it is when you'll know. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sally? Yeah. I mean, in my experience, it's not sustainable to shut a part of yourself off. And to just be like, well, I have this attraction, but I just won't pursue it and I'll live this other life. I don't I think that that sounds good in theory because it allows you to avoid like a lot of messiness. But in reality, once you're in that situation for like the days add up, the weeks add up, the months, the years add up and you 
I mean, I, I, I can only imagine from what I've heard from people who have, you know, remained closeted for most of their adult lives because of, you know, society, um, that it is kind of a life ruiner. Um, so there's that to consider, you know, that like how sustainable is that plan? And then the other thing is like, I know this sounds so cliche, but like, you know, if when, I don't know if your parents ever said this to you, but it's like, well, if he's being mean to you, then, you know, he's not worth your, like you shouldn't be his friend anyway. Like if people, I know that it's different when it's your family. And I, you know, when I think about potentially like not being able to have the relationship I have with my dad, I can't think of anything I would let come between it, me and my dad, except him not being able to, to accept who I was. And I feel like if there are people in your life who are going to love you conditionally or accept you conditionally, then that's their problem. Like you be who you want to be. You be the whole person that you feel you are. And if they can't handle it, like do they really deserve your love and your loyalty anyway? And I know that it's more complicated than that. But that for me is like a, a really important bottom line to just like keep in mind. Yeah. And also I'm curious because it sounds like you don't quite know what you want to identify as anyway. Right. So let's let's hit on that. For right now, you're identifying as asexual with hetero leanings, um, but possibly queer. So to the point of where does that leave me with identifying as queer? Do I have the right to utilize queer spaces? I think that um, there's a difference between exploring and, you know, just hanging out and identifying. You know what I mean? Like I, you're still figuring out what it is that you want to do if you even want to have a relationship at all. So I would say if you. I don't know what you mean by queer spaces, maybe online groups or actual clubs or something like that. Um, it's okay to just be honest and, and say, like, I, you know, I actually don't know how I identify just yet. I think that's becoming more and more acceptable. Uh, Sally, do you? I yeah, think you know I mean, I'm, I'm getting less, I don't know how I identify from this and I'm getting more, I'm more or less no, but I'm not sure the extent to which I can reveal it. And I mean, I think that it depends on the queer spaces that you're talking about, I think that like some are going to be like, whatever, like we are family, like who, who cares? <laughs> like wherever you're at, like who cares if you're, if you identify straight or you don't, or you identify as queer or you don't. And then there are going to be other spaces where people are going to be like, hey, like I've struggled really hard to be out and I kind of resent that you're like, you want to be in my space, but you don't want to be out, um, you know, or you don't want to identify as. I'm not saying that's like right or wrong, but I think that's the thing that exists. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a, the kind of thing that you have to, um, you know, if you're a respectful member of a space and of a community, I think you can try to be in it and see how it feels and how you fit in there. But the other thing I just want to go back to the, um, uh, the, the thing about your relationship with your dad and that he's kind of homophobic and that no one can change his mind. I have to say that you, I don't know, you know your dad better than I do because you're a stranger to me and so is your dad. Mm -hmm. But um, I know him really well. Is that weird? <laughs> but Catherine can speak to him because he, she knows him really well. But like people can really, really surprise you. Um, they can surprise you in both directions. Like that people can be like real monsters when you when you know when they have like great fucking politics about marriage equality and then it's like, you know, someone in their life and they're monsters about it. But people can also be surprising in, in the opposite direction where um, you know, if you chances are if you feel this close to your dad, your dad feels this close to you. And who knows, like maybe it would take him some time to like warm up to the idea and maybe he would have questions and maybe he would be a dick in the beginning or whatever. But maybe he would come around. Yeah, you, uh, you read my mind. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to say, oh, yeah, see what happens. Mm -hmm. Blue sky, let us know. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, right. I, we don't know your father. We don't know. But um, I, I agree that people really surprise you. And yes, there are parents that disown their kids and it's horrible. Mm -hmm. But that is 
on the rarer side, I have heard more Letelier's described um, maybe some apprehension, a little bit of misunderstanding, and then finally acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so maybe, maybe. He sounds and, like a pretty good dude yeah, otherwise. And, and like you, you've given this a lot of thought and you've, you've intellectualized this at least as far as like articulating it to us. And so you've examined it from all these angles. But I think the angle that remains to be examined is what happens when you just make some choices and live in certain spaces and like see how it goes. And I, because I think that at a certain point, you you can make educated guesses about what it's going to be like to do this or that, or to try this or that thing, or, you know, to choose an identity and roll with it. But, um, I don't think you're really going to know until you like give something a try. So I would say take like baby steps and make sure that you feel safe and that you're, you know, trying things with like safe people and just like see how it goes. But like orient, you really, you said you're really attached to your dreams. They mean a lot to you and you don't want to miss opportunities. Like, you know, it would be awesome if like we all thought of our dreams as including like us being like self-realized people who get to like do the things we want to do and like be who we really are. And being who we really are is a huge part of being like a fulfilled human. So like let that be a part of your dreams too. And you know, you'll you'll find a way to square that with, you know, potentially sketchy homophobic relatives. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th- think that kind of sums it up. But and Sally's right, you articulate yourself very well. Mm-hmm. So it's great that you're able to be in touch with that part of yourself too and sort of know what's going on. So it's totally. really important. So yeah. So um update us, let us know how it goes. Yeah. Um and Or I... you could just do the old school surprise assholes. Yeah, surprise assholes. There you go. That's a good one. Um should I read this? Um I can read it. Okay. Uh question number two. Kevin. Hey struggle bussers, struggle bussies, Sally and Kate. This year has been rough. At the end of February, my partner of three years, whom I was planning on proposing to, broke up and moved out. About three weeks later, my dad passed away after a fight against cancer that I thought and hoped would last forever. I'm supposed to start law school in the fall, but I keep having moments of really deep depression, like I want to pull my car in the garage and close the door with the car running. I don't really have time to talk to a therapist as I work 40 plus hours a week and attend school about 16 hours a week. I know I need to find some help, but my best friends were met through my partner and I feel like a man without a country right now. I don't feel comfortable talking to anyone I know, including my family. I don't really know what I was hoping to get out of emailing you, but any advice or tips or literally anything would be the absolute most appreciated. Okay. um, We went back and forth with this letter because um, it's very disturbing that it sounds like you are suicidal or at least thinking about it, very depressed. Um, And we don't want to give you bad advice, right? But we also don't want to ignore that this is a thing that happens out there and this is how people feel. So I guess what I would like to say, at least just ahead of time, we really would like for you to get professional help because we do not uh, know exactly how to handle a situation like this in the sense that um, anytime this has happened in my life, we have gotten friends help or I have gotten friends help to places. Uh, You're really not feeling good. And that unfortunately can snowball. And it sounds like you had a really, really shitty year. Uh, And I know you know you need to talk to a therapist because you say I don't have time. But I'm telling you right now, if the alternative is self-harm, oh my goodness, please find the time. It feels like it's a black hole. Depression, I heard this recently. It was a great quote. It's not always there, but then it like hangs out in your house and next thing you know, it's in your bed. And next thing you know, you have a permanent roommate. Mm. And it really sneaks up on you, right? And 
this is not to say that you, you don't have a reason to be depressed because obviously you had a really crappy year, but I, I just want you to explore the option of seeing someone to understand that things always move forward mm-hmm. and change. Yeah. Does that No, make that sense? was like perfect. I mean, the thing to always remember, and I like I honestly don't know how much you'll you can really like hear this or appreciate this right now because I think it's the kind of thing that's hard to appreciate, but like you're in a moment and the moment will pass. Um whether the moment is like having a shitty day or a shitty week or a year or like five years, like people go through really, really, really rough patches. And they come out the other side and they're like, okay, that moment passed. Cool. I'm moving on one foot in front of the other. And you have been through some like fucking intense shit, dude. But um, you know you need to talk to a therapist because the way you know someone needs to is because they say they don't have time to. That's like the number one thing. It's like, like here's the thing. Like basically no one has time to see a therapist because (laughs) everyone's working all the time and like has a family and relationships and commuting and stuff like that and I know that it seems like such a huge sacrifice of time but it's time that you can make and that a therapist will make for you and that you you know you're at a point where like you know it's kind of not really like a choice to not do it anymore like you really need to have someone who can really help you and once you get that help you'll build stuff back up where you will start to like build those relationships where you have friends who you can talk to and you know, you'll be able to like go through the kind of tragedy you've gone through and like and get through it without getting so, so, so low. Yeah. You can't do this alone. You're yeah. you're, you're alone right now. Um, I'm sure you do have people out there who love you that you can't reach out to or don't for whatever reason. Or maybe you don't. I don't know. But you 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 can't do this by yourself. You definitely need to talk to somebody. And you'd be so surprised how much a difference it makes. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason people say it. Um, so I really, really hope that, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it was hard getting this, getting this email because, you know, it's, it's such a serious thing it's and so we, serious, we don't yeah. want to mess with a life or, yeah. Do you and know like, what I mean? Yeah. And like we say, like, we're not professionals, so we don't, we're making our best guess. Like we're saying basically to you and to anyone who's listening, like what we would say to someone in our life that we cared about. We would just like dispense the best advice we had. But, you know, our best is not the best of like a professional. And like that's who you need. Um, and you're not weak for seeking no. help. Oh my, it makes, no. No. Like, don't, please don't think. Yeah, it's definitely not a weakness thing at all. But like, I mean, if it seems like that, like the gulf between where you are right now and seeing a therapist is like too wide to cross. I mean, I would like take this email that you wrote us to like, the person you trust most in the world and be like, Hey, I want to read you this. I really need some help. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, just like reach out to someone who's close to you and let them know what you're struggling with because someone in your real life who really knows you, can really help you needs to like hold your hand right now and like bring you to people or a place that can help you. Yeah. So yes. So Please. please hang in there and please talk to someone and, um, Good luck. Yes. Get, get, you know, get some help if you can. And you can. There are resources mm-hmm. available. So, all right. Uh, last question. All right. All right. Uh, Hi, Kate and Sally. My wife and I really enjoy your podcast. It's ridiculously supportive and positive. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to chime in on the topic of migraines as someone having had them for 31 years. Like Sally, I don't get migraines that last for more than a day, but a year or two ago, I was getting them so bad that I that they often resulted in visits to the emergency room. We figured out how to put a stop to that, but at the time in my life when migraines have been uncontrolled, I've definitely felt hopeless and desperate and sad. 
It's been difficult to come up with something that works as far as a system of diagnosis and a plan for prevention and treatment, but I sort of feel like I have a good one, even if there are still parts of my life that keep things out of total control. And I guess that can lead to a sort of depression sometimes. At times it has irritated me when people offer the sort of life hacky rub lemon peels on your neck migraine cure advice. What? <laughs> and so I find myself afraid to share information that someone out there might find useful. I guess I'm also very anxious in general that relative strangers judge me harshly in conversation. So on the rare occasion that I come across a migraine sufferer, I won't go past asking them what they take. How do I strike a balance between sharing what I've learned and not rudely poking my nose in other people's medical problems? Thanks for your advice here. Take care. That is an excellent question. Really question. As the expert on migraines, no. <laughs> but even if it weren't migraines, right? Let's say it's some something you have anything. Um, like let's say you have chronic pain for something or a disease that no one knows about. It, it's hard, okay? So if somebody asks for your advice, I found, give it to them. Mm -hmm. If they don't, they might not want it. So if someone says, I also have migraines, they might not want to hear, mm -hmm. oh, well, yoga, help me. You know what I mean? Um, because you don't you know, know exactly what that person's going mm -hmm. through at that time. And maybe they have tried yoga and maybe they have a connective tissue disorder. You know what I mean? Like you never know. So I would say that as someone, if, if a friend came to you and said, um, I would like some help, how do you handle it? Definitely. But if they don't, I wouldn't try to offer advice. I might just say I too have migraines and if they want to discuss it with you, because I think the problem is, and we just talked about this on Citizen Radio, actually, there was an article about a woman who had a very rare condition and she hated when people tried to tell her, try herbal medicine mm -hmm. or yoga or meditation. And she's like, bitch, don't tell me what to do right. because you have no idea what I'm going through on a daily basis. Which I have to say, like with migraines, because it, I totally relate to this, like what the... Um, this person is saying like the life hacky advice like because, some, because there's always when you say you got migraines there's always someone who's like when I get a headache I just get into child's pose <laughs> and I'm just like fuck you because it's not a headache A and B if I could get in child's pose when it felt like there was a sledgehammer being driven through my skull I would like don't you think I would have figured that anyway uh, yeah um, and she'd be doing it I'd be doing it uh oh um, Sally's doing it you guys I'm, I'm winding up <laughs> I have my hands on my hips like I'm I don't even know what that signals um, uh, warrior I well, I'm a warrior but uh I think here's the thing, like people with certain, there are like certain things that people like really love to talk about. I found that people who have migraines love to talk about it. So I feel like, you know, I've definitely come into contact with like coworkers and acquaintances and they say they get migraines and like I have to hold back not to like pummel them with like, I want to like hear every single thing about their migraines. Then I want to tell them all about mine. Then I want to hear everything they do to prevent them. And then I want to tell them, and you know, but I have to sort of hold back and I, and, and sort of like see where they're at because some people aren't like that, you know? Um, and I think that like, it depends on your relationship with the person, but if you can sort of like gauge their interest in like continuing to talk about it and then like ease into the topic and be like, hey, like I don't mean to overstep, but like something that's really worked for me is whatever, knowing that you really have to like navigate that carefully because, you know, you people are tired, like people who have like a chronic condition are all tired of being told to like rub lemon peels on their neck Is and that, get into child's you, pose. Have you ever been told? To I've never been told that, but I mean, I definitely, I actually, I wrote a post for BuzzFeed about, that was like collecting people's different tips on migraine, on like getting relief from migraines. And there was, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, these are really interesting. I'm going to try these. And then there were other, other people who were like, this is bullshit. If this works for you, you don't have migraines, fuck off. And so I think that is like really like the, the two sides of like people who are struggling with like a thing. Like half of them are like, interesting, like let me get into it and try it. And half people are like, you don't know me and you're not my mother. Yeah. I've you also know? learned, and this is, you know, the case of me personally, sometimes people just like to complain 
You know, it's like, what's the matter? Oh, my back. And like, I already know what's wrong with my back. It's been diagnosed. I know it's going to go away. I don't need someone being like, oh, have you tried this? Right, right, like, right. I just want to let you know my back hurts. That's right, why I'm in a bad right, mood right. today. No, it's, yeah, that's a really good thing to remember. And we talked about this on Citizen Radio as well, which is my tendency is to point out the mind-body connection, which must be so annoying and I have to stop doing it because people... Now it, I have rainbow connection in my head. I'm about to cry. <laughs> oh my God. That's so good. <laughs> so good. Um, but like, yeah, if you suffer from like some chronic thing, like chances are like you know that there is a mind-body connection. So it's like so unuseful to fucking bring it up. But yeah, I mean, it's tricky. And I think it is just one of those things that like, not navigating gently and like, you know, I, I don't, I don't even know, like figuring it out as you go, like how receptive the person is to your advice. Yeah. And also I know, so again, I'm rereading, um, people judge you harshly in conversation. Um, oh. find, find a way to just, I God, I wish we had a line prepared that you could just strike back. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. maybe it's just time to learn how to brush them off and just be like, okay. And just walk away. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like you get judged. Yeah. Like if I say, oh, I, my my cramp, my period cramps are really bad. Someone will say to me, do you drink too much caffeine? And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. You don't know me. Fuck you. Um, but I usually just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. No. And but like this, you listener, writer in, like you don't sound like someone who's going to be like you, you sound like you're sort of overcorrecting, anticipating that someone is going to be judging you. So you're probably not going to be the kind of person that's like telling someone with cramps to drink less caffeine. Mm. So you, you're probably like, you probably have a pretty good gauge and you're just like, um, you know, worried about overstepping or something. But I, I say go for it and tell people to, you know, share your advice and just like, you know, be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. That is sounds that good. I like yeah. that. Why not? Yeah. And also if anything, if you want to like try to go back and forth about it, I'm sure there's support groups or even online. And if you want to reach out and ask, other people like there's things like that you can do I agree and I, I just I think man the migraine community like there's nothing they don't want to talk about so <laughs> I, I say just like go forth and fucking talk about migraines go forth and talk so on that note uh, oh man oh, so thank so you quick. so much so we have uh, well Sally has a song I do but first again please tweet at us at struggle bus pod email us please at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com use the hashtag struggle pod buds 420 uh Sally T is at Sally T. I'm at SPK Heller. So, Sally, what's your song of the week? Well, I have a very special song selection. Um, I was trying to think of what I should, what I should choose, and I was sort of like coming up empty-handed. Um, I just I couldn't figure out. Nothing was like really hitting me the right way. So I asked um, one of my friends, who is also my coworker and who um, is like a like kind of a hero when it comes to like all things like struggle bus related like she just knows how to like handle her business like when business means like when life gets hard mm -hmm. um her name's augusta and um she's really smart about this kind of shit so i was like what song would you pick for the outro of the struggle bus um and i asked her like in a text to like casually tell me why she chose the song and she ended up writing like this beautiful piece of prose so i'm just gonna like read what she wrote do it okay so augusta says this is super depressing but I'll Be Seeing You by Rod Stewart makes me weep like an inconsolable baby, which is why I press play on days when I know I need an emotional release, but my body won't get there on its own. It helps me work, work through the grieving process of losing my brother, but it manages to keep things sweet and not stingy. Also, it makes me feel like a geriatric sipping a glass of Merlot, which is a really nice fringe benefit. So That, that is also the poster of the struggle bus, is us older drinking Merlot. Right. Our hair is gray. Mm -hmm. We're in a 
porch swing. Moo-moos. Yeah. So I and um, you can tell from, you know, what Augusta wrote that she's like there's some stuff that she whatever deals with. And I'm not going to like blow up her spot and talk about her shit. But the deal is, is that um, the song is I'll Be Seeing You. It's by Rod Stewart. I don't know anything about it, so I can't say anything, but we'll go out on that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Cathedral bells were tolling And our hearts sang on Was it the spell of Paris Or the April dawn Who knows if we shall meet again But when the morning chimes Ring sweet again I'll be seeing you In all the old familiar places That this heart of mine embraces All day through That small cafe, the park across the way, the children's carousel, the chestnut trees, the wishing well. I'll be seeing you in every lovely summer's day. In everything that's light and gay I'll always think of you that way I'll find you in the morning sun And when the night is new I'll be looking at the moon But I'll be seeing you Seeing you in all the old familiar places that this heart of mine embraces all day through in that small cafe, the park across the way. The children's carousel, the chestnut trees, the wishing well. I'll be seeing you in every lovely summer's day, in everything that's light and gay. I'll always think of you that way. I'll find you in the morning sun and when the night is new I'll be looking at the moon but I'll be seeing you